A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey friends, have you noticed that no matter how much yoga we do, we may still struggle in our intimate relationships. My husband and I have a great relationship, but we are not relationship coaches. And we know that yoga can and does help, but at a certain point, you need more relational support from a relationship specialist. If you're going through some kind of challenge right now in your relationships, my friend Jason Gaddis at the Relationship School can help. Jason's team will pair you up with a skilled relationship coach And within 48 hours, you'll be getting private one-on-one support on whatever you're going through relationally. And right now, for my listeners only, Jason is offering half off one month of relationship coaching. Head over to relationshipschool.com slash Laura to get the deal and watch your relationships improve. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Friday with Friends. Well, my friends, I have a new and fabulous friend on here today, and I'm just giddy with excitement how much we have in common and just I love everything he has to say. He is a physical therapist. His name is Scott Van Nykirk. Scott is originally from Zimbabwe, so he has this beautiful accent to listen to, so get ready for that. And he has so much wisdom. He was trained by John Barnes for myofascial Uh, release. And then he went on and conducted a lot of trainings. And we talk about that. But just the fact that he is doing, he was doing myofascial early on in his career, says a lot about him as a physical therapist. It's really this curiosity and holistic approach to helping clients. And in fact, he founded a healing center and is called Holistic with a W, like whole body, whole approach, Whole Foods, we talk about how nutrition and plant-based diet is a wonderful way to help you in your healing. All of this and so much more, I know you're going to love this conversation with Scott, so please enjoy. Welcome, Scott, new friend, and we've already been chatting so much, and I I love hearing about your background, Um, so welcome to the podcast. Hey, Laura, thanks so much for having me. I'm a big fan of your podcast from founder recently to one of our mutual friends. And uh, I love what you do. It's a real professional edit and I love it. So happy to be on. Thanks for inviting me. You're so welcome. And I'll just say none of the editing editing is done by me. So 
Shout out to my podcast team. Uh, so you are not originally from the United States. You're from Zimbabwe, um, which we were talking about. I've been to and it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous country. So growing up there, how did you decide to go into the profession, the medical profession, become a physical therapist? Um, thanks for asking. So I was a athlete as a teenager. Um, went to a private school in, in Zimbabwe called Peter House and uh, found, other than academics, found my my niche in high-performance swimming sports. So that included water polo and swimming in the All-Africa Games and, you know, getting nearby some world records and sort of having my sights set on the Olympics and uh, wanted to try to culture a career that centered around that interest of being an, a, a vibrant athletic person. And physical therapy was sort of one of the many that I could have gone for. Um, as it happened, Cape Town was one of my dream places to visit when I was a mere teenager. And uh, that had one of the best physical therapy programs, physiotherapy programs, they call it in those days. We're talking um, 80s, right? But I think you and I are approximately the same age. Graduated in 1995 after a bunch of awesome years at the University of Cape Town working in the big teaching hospitals and doing internships. I was a little sad that I had to give up swimming when I went to Cape Town. They don't have a swimming program, but I really enjoyed rugby as well. Good old South African You don't want to swim with great white sharks? <laughs> <laughs> I did that, actually. That's oh, a story for another time. Yeah. A little bit of a sad story because it's all mm. baited and you're kind of mm. in a cage. It yeah. wasn't a close to nature story. And growing up in Africa, I love things that are close to nature, like we were talking about with the safari experience. It sort of taints my mouth when it's super curated or they're feeding sharks or they're feeding wild animals. Mm. Not my jam. So- you know, we share being a vegan, and I'm sure that means trying to do the right thing as best as possible for the animals on our planet. I haven't always been a vegan. I don't know about you, but, you know, um, so handing it's it coming, back my, over to I, you. Yeah, 22 years almost I've been vegan. But so that's, that's a long time. You know, 30 years before that, not vegan, 31 years. Um, and 15 of that was vegetarian, you know, but um, there you go. once I learned, vegan all the way. So, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think it's great that we reflect on that because, you know, sometimes when we're promoting a plant strong or vegan lifestyle, it can come across preachy in, in some people's presentation. And I think it's important to recognize that I used to eat meat too. You know, I used to eat eggs or, or fish or dairy. And uh, now knowing what I know, I can't, I don't, I choose not to do that. Would you like to learn more about it? You know, versus sort of coming across as, oh, we shouldn't kill animals and eat body parts. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> although, yes. Well, although, I'm, sh um, did you, I'm sure in Zimbabwe, there's a lot of um, plants, lots, but, you know, anytime I've gone anywhere in Africa, it hasn't been an issue at all to find, but I'm sure that there was also a lot of meat, you know, on the table. It's quite a carnivorous lifestyle, especially yep. being a Westerner, you know, being of the white minority. Um, you know, but there's a preponderance of the, the sort of poor people's foods, right? The beans, the rice, the lentils, the chickpeas, the soybeans, the, the staples of a vegan diet. In fact, you know, the, the rest over of my lunch is right here with beets and lentils and potatoes and carrots and eggplants and all of those good foods that make for 
big, strong muscles. And, uh, you know, when I started this office here in Brewster, New York, back in 2002, I chose the word holistic with a W, holistic physical therapy, because I wanted to encourage people towards a whole food diet that was plant strong. In those days, I wasn't fully vegan, so you can't really <laughs> eat something that you're not, right, in all right. integrity. So, you know, it was sort of a plant strong diet, which back in 2002 wasn't all that commonly thought of, but I love the idea of treating the whole person instead of the kind of parts mentality that I you know, physical therapists are sometimes shackled by, you know, someone has a shoulder problem, they look at the shoulder. God forbid they identify problems in the thoracic spine or the pelvis is out of balance or, you know, someone's neck is an issue. So taking a more whole person view, I really identify with the word whole and also a whole food, meaning not a ultra processed food diet. Um, and that's a very common factor of conversation in the daily practice, you know, so when I came out of University of Cape Town, I always wanted to come to America, um, sort of thinking, well, I could study with this manual therapy guru, sort of globally named as as the, the person to study from in the myofascial world was John Barnes, and the cranial sacral world was Upledger, and they both happened to be in America. And I thought, well, let me come out there for a year or two and study with these gurus, see what they have to offer, and then I'll, I'll go back home. Well... That was in the mid-90s. <laughs> After graduating, I backpacked around Africa for six months and, and came out here in uh, 1996, thinking it would take a year or two. And, you know, I started taking the seminars and um, working as a traveling physical therapist at the same time all over the country. You know, the agency got me licenses in each state. It was such a great lifestyle, kind of bouncing around North Carolina, Florida, Georgia, Oklahoma, California, all over. I really uh, enjoyed New York City, but I didn't want to live in the city. I'm not a city boy. I'm a bush boy growing <laughs> up in America. So um, I wanted to be close enough to New York City. So we're about an hour from here to New York City. And uh, I'm still here, you know, how many years later, like so many, and, you know, met a lady and got married and had kids and, and started this business. And, um, well, let me backtrack a little bit. I mean, sure. how did you decide, even at that um, relatively young age in terms of your career, that you wanted to include manual therapy? Was that a was that in the um, lexicon in this in the the curriculum in Cape Town? Yes. Because I think that's unusual. Like I also had manual therapy, but yep. I've met many physical therapists who have very little manual yep. therapy. Yeah, very much so. I agree with you, um, especially here in the States. It seems the physical therapists tend away from manual therapy. I don't know if it's a litigation thing or mm. just sort of worried about, you know, getting sued, of course, or worried about um, touching other people, doing it wrong. Um, but in Cape Town, I had two or three professors who were some of the world's best manual therapists, you know, people oh, who worked wow. with Bobot in the NDT world and... That's you know, what I yeah, have. Yeah, I know. That's your, uh, that's your background, <laughs> right? Yeah. And uh, so, you know, that was a strong element with neurodevelopmental therapy and pediatrics. And and I just I had these huge hands. And I love working with my hands, no matter what it's doing, even if it's art. I sort of have these kinesthetic senses where I can touch someone's skin and see like 20 layers underneath it and pick up all of this, this energy stored in, in a tree 
or in the rock or mm. in a in a building, right? Or and, and so when I kind of get my hands on something, I get a flood of information that is very informative, sometimes a little scary, you know, oh gosh, like what's happened in this room? And someone will say, oh, well, what do you mean? Like, you know, I said, oh, I feel something like this, this room has something going on in it. And so I could pick up on those kind of energies. So using my hands was a skill that I was identified with by these manual therapists. They were like, oh, Scott, you've got something special there. Like you should develop that. And we're very impressionable, right? At the age of 20, someone who's a sort of worldwide teacher and instructor and written a bunch of textbooks and say, you have this gift, like use it. So, you know, I thought, well, I always wanted to learn about manual therapy and America seemed to be one of the places to do it. So that's what, that's what brought me here and, and got me taking those seminars. So I love that. Yeah. We have so much in common because I've never, I have not trained with John Barnes. I have trained with people who have um, trained with him directly. But when yeah. I talk to people, if I've worked with them or we do privates virtually, and I'll say, you know, the only manual therapist, and there's plenty of good ones, but I know for sure if you just look up John Barnes, and of course they have a great directory, that yeah. anybody who's gone through that training is going to have just some really amazing knowledge. And that's yeah. where I would start. Like you don't have to sift through a lot of other things. So can yeah, you explain a little bit? I appreciate of, yeah. that. Um, the directory mm -hmm. is a paid source, just FYI. There are okay. very novice people on there. And, um, you know, he, after studying with them for three years, he asked me to start teaching the seminars. So perhaps like you're saying, you know, you worked with someone who was taught by him. So I taught his seminars from 99 until 2015. And wow. um, it just became too much, you know, with four kids and a family and, I was struggling in my marriage and it was just too much travel. Every second weekend, Thursday through Sunday, somewhere in the country or sometimes even we went over to Europe and Greece, it was just too much travel. And whilst I really enjoyed it, the seminars were great. I loved teaching. It just became too much. So we had some sort of conflict of interest with regards to some of the other elements I like to bring in to my training. Um, and so we decided to, to part. So I'm mm -hmm. no longer teaching with that institution and um but they are still doing seminars so you know therapists can can certainly train and it's a great training and all my therapists here are trained in uh my fascia release as well as being pts um okay so I, do you so do you offer those um seminars anymore or again that was just too much no no i don't i don't teach seminars um personally and i i treat patients and kind of work with people over the phone as well as here in person um, and that's my jam. Is, that keeps you busy. Well, I'm curious, if you don't mind, if it's not too personal, what were some of the things that you were adding that weren't necessarily not in alignment, but just like that? And I'm imagining probably the holistic part of uh, yeah, exactly. food and nutrition, um, because, exactly. you know, a lot of people don't want to touch that. And it's like, this is what True. you're putting in your body, yeah. which does impact not only the way you feel, but impacts, you know, the myofascia itself. Can you kind of talk a little bit about nutrition um, and its impact on yeah. myofascia? So any good manual therapy, and in fact, you know, lit yoga too, the value of movement is that you're, you're getting joints lubricated, getting more blood flow, better lymphatic drainage through an area. When there's congestion and stagnation, there's a state of it's called a dishealth, right? A dysfunction mm -hmm. versus the opposite when this flow through the tissue flow of, you know, your four major media, blood, lymph, electricity down nerves and chi, 
when you get better flow of these things, you get better health, right? So a good manual therapist is focusing on that. Well, now imagine that we take the flow part of, let's say, blood, and we make that not just blood, but supercharged blood, right? It's like when you go to, if you have a Corvette, I don't, but if you take a Corvette to a gas station and you put in premium gas or maybe the cheapest gas or maybe gas diluted with water, <laughs> obviously your Corvette's going to behave differently. I'm happy to say I don't go to a gas station anymore. I plug in, <laughs> but that's another topic. So, <laughs> so, you know, when you increase blood flow, but then you increase the quality of the blood flow, now we're, we're really magnifying outcomes, right? So we're talking about um, heal, heal with every meal, right? Mm. We've got to fall in love with foods that love us back. You know, it's unfortunate that many parts of our culture, um, you treat yourself with something that hurts yourself. You know, mm, you know yes. my little kid just graduated from from um, kindergarten and and school, and his friends were going for ice cream, and I and he said, "Dad, why do they want to go for ice cream when it's just like sugar and fat and it's disgusting for the body?" I said, "You know what? That's a good question. Your choice. You know, do you want to go and and have a sorbet or have ice cream or something to hurt you? It's just once. The problem is when they're eating that all the time, right?" When the mm -hmm. treat is a sweet treat full of sugar and nasty, you know, dairy products and that sort of thing. So these are ultra processed foods. So if we can magnify the quality of blood and the quality of energy in the body by heal with every meal, fall in love with foods that love you back, that are vibrant, living light, that when you pick a piece of lettuce and eat it, it's vastly different to when you buy a piece of lettuce in the store that's been sitting on the shelf for two or three weeks and was picked from its plant time before, you know, so the value of growing your own food. And we have a, a vertical garden in our waiting room downstairs, which is one of the products that um, is sold by one of the companies that we promote and support their nutritional support line. It's not a supplement. It's a nutrition, whole food nutritional support line, but they have this vertical garden and people say, oh, what's this beautiful thing, you know? And we describe that it's a way to grow your own food, your own whole food. And you can pick your herbs and spices and lettuce and greens, and you can grow it in your kitchen with lights, you know, year round and, and move it out in the sun when it's summer. Here in New York, you can't really grow year round unless you're growing indoor with lights. It gets extremely cold, as you know very well. So being able to grow your own food puts people in control of their food supply. And they're nurturing those plants. They're picking off the caterpillars and the aphids, and they're involved from seed to mouth, um, you know, which is a whole different experience than just kind of going to the store. Now, it's always a spectrum, right? No matter where someone is on the spectrum, there's usually some way they can nudge better, mm -hmm. and there's some way they can be worse. I call it a volume dial. We can turn up and down the volume of your inflammation, your immune system, your your knowledge about the microbiome, about glycemic index and, and blood sugar, you know, things like sequencing foods. Like if someone says to this man today, he said to me, well, I'm not willing to give up all the animal products. I said, okay, well, what are you willing to do? You know, where can we make an inroad, right? So it's sort of motivational interviewing from a mm. functional medicine perspective. It's an integrated physical therapy approach where you're taking into consideration the person's stress management you know how can we everyone has the same stress so how can we improve the way you manage the stress you know mm. maybe it's the commute 
to work. Maybe it's the struggle in the marriage. You know, I, I can relate to that. Maybe it's the kids with special needs or behavioral issues. Like these are stressors. How can we, if we can't change the stressor, it's always going to be traffic at 8 a.m. going down the highway. You know, you can't change mm -hmm. that. But how can we help how you manage that stress? So that's lifestyle medicine, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, we talk to people about amazing free apps online like Insight Timer. Or if they want to pay, then, you know, Headspace or Calm, things like guided meditation and, and ways to kind of dial down their nervous system. And I know you know this, but the sake of your audience, talking to people about switching over to more of a parasympathetic nervous system, which is your kind of rest and restore and repair and digest, right? That's your diaphragmatic breathing. It's kind of slowing down, being more perceptive of your environment, having better agency and control. It's that reaction time, right? Between stimulus and response, there's a pause, right? Victor Frankl. And, and that's where we have control. So, you know, we can do a lot regarding that in terms of teaching someone better stress management techniques, turning down the sympathetic nervous system. That's that kind of fight and flight and freeze and freak out and fix. Like that's that sort of sympathetic response, which, you know, honestly, a lot of physical therapists and a lot of Western medicine, it's all about the fix-it response, right? It's sort of narrowed down. We've got evidence-based care. We've got to narrow outcomes down into six visits or however many. And people don't have time to kind of zoom out and say, you know, how are you feeling about your marriage? Or when was the last time you had sex? You know, mm -hmm. like questions like this that are super personal and deep and when delivered in the right fashion, the right timing and the right tone and the right turf, when someone feels safe, that there's confidential boundaries and in the container, then this is where we get real mm -hmm. conversations and responses and, and real healing can occur because no one is a disc problem, <laughs> you know? No one is an ankle sprain. No one's a rotator cuff problem, a frozen shoulder. You know, you name the problem, TMJ, migraine. No one is this problem. It's a person with a problem. And usually that problem is just the, on the script, you know, that brought them to you or the major driver of what brought them to you. And when we learn to ask the right questions, then the world expands. And, mm. um, you know, so, so some of these things are challenging to physical therapists, which is why I couldn't work for other people, you know. Yeah. We were, we were in production line care with, you know, three, four, five patients an hour. And these sort of conversations take time and they take trust. And manual therapy, you know, with, with my fascia release, you're sort of holding things 90 to 120 seconds minimum. So there might be a leg pull, a arm pull, a cervical traction, or a psoas release, or a number sacral decompression. These are all just names and labels, which will mean something if you're a manual therapist. But I know some of your audience are not PT, so that's fine. But these things take time. And in that time, the therapist, if they're knowledgeable, can can bring someone into their body, right? And it's the same with movement. Like I know lit yoga is so focused on your alignment and being present because you can heal if you're home, if you're mm. here. Yes. But you can't heal when you're dissociated and thinking like, oh, what am I going to cook for dinner? Or what should I have said to my boss when he asked me that question? Or how am I going to manage this kid's stress? Like they can't heal and and really make changes until they come home. So the therapist in that time may be quiet. You know, we as therapists should never be thinking like, oh, what can I say to this person? No, 
like the flow of the conversation has to be spontaneous, right? But when you can say to someone, oh, like feel that area there and just breathe into that space, like let that expand and suddenly they're present and they're feeling like, oh, this is my breath. Like, oh my God, like I'm here. I can feel suddenly and emotions can flow, right? So trauma-informed care, which is a buzzword recently, especially with Gabo Mate's work and you know, I think it's very valuable to realize we all have trauma to some degree. And as a manual therapist, when we're touching people or as a yoga, you know, when you're doing facils, facilitations and you're touching people, like they're in a triangle and you're trying to get them to rotate a little differently or like the, that touch has such power mm-hmm. or, or not. Like it can have such power. So your yogis need to realize the, the power of their hands that you know, when they come into someone's field, there's a sacredness to that touch that can be beautiful and healing, or, or it can be invasive. And when someone has trauma in an area, if you're sensitive, you'll feel their repulsion, kind of like two North and North Poles coming together, and there's like a roar. You, so you don't want to force that. You know, when you just wait there and just wait and maybe bring their attention or ask consent, like, may I touch you here? Mm-hmm. And that's such a powerful thing. They're like, oh... And suddenly the emotions can start to flow because maybe the, when they were traumatized, there wasn't consent. So, yeah, some of the the different things that come to mind of of you know what makes us different is the nutrition piece certainly, and the whole body piece and the the lifestyle medicine component. I know you resonate with a lot of these things, right? Today's podcast is sponsored by Aminoco. I've been using Aminoco products for well over a year, and I really love them. I love the taste, but most importantly, I love the science-backed health benefits. Today, I'm going to tell you about life. Life is the name of it. So life is really great for those of us over age 40. Why? Because did you know muscle and heart function start to decline after age 40. So in clinical trials, life has been shown to enhance the physical function and muscle strength while supporting normal cardiovascular health. So at age 53 and a half, I'm really concerned about maintaining my muscle density and of course my heart health. So I use this, I put one scoop in with water, but you could put it into a smoothie, you can put it into juice, and it is vegan, it is GMO-free, and it is patent-produced. It's an amazing, amazing product, and you can go to aminoco.com, that's A-M-I-N-O-C-O.com slash lit and save 30%. I resonate with all of it because, I mean, I do, I think when you're in this field, coming into this field, wanting to help people feel more at home in their bodies, which I think... Physical therapists probably feel that way, but they might not articulate it in that way. It's not just helping somebody who has an injury. It's really, again, that's why I talk a lot about rewiring and all my work yep. with um, Bow Bath and NDT was just yep. really witnessing, giving that space for healing to happen and facilitating and not immediately going into a compensatory strategy for that. So that, and so I think that, um, It does take time, right? Like you said, you can't be having three to four people in an hour and have this kind of um, magical experience. And I really think it's like a it's a two way street, right? That somebody is um, Mm -hmm. feeling 
honored and safe so that you can apply the skills that you have to help them. Um, and I, But I feel like it's life altering when it's not just treating a shoulder or, you know, neck, cervical, you know, I, I love it when people say, oh, I don't know if I can do that because I have, you know, a lumbar disc or something. And I'm like, it, everybody has a lumbar disc. And, you know, it's just, you, this isn't, this is the best opportunity to change that. Like when you actually have something, you know, I don't like any to get, I, I'm sure you are the same way. I don't like people to get really attached to a diagnosis at all because it's it's just a tiny piece. It's where the imbalance has really shown its voice, but it's usually coming yes. from somewhere else, almost always. My, yep. my kinesiology teacher was so great from South America. She's like, don't look at the pain. Don't look at the pain. Like, I loved that. That was just like welded into my brain. Like, if you see the pain, that's not where you need to look. It's just exactly. telling you, right? Yeah, Bond says, you know, find the pain, look elsewhere for the cause. And totally. um, that's that's the whole system. You know, the, the fascia is a whole body system of evaluation and treatment. So like I said before, sometimes someone might have a ticking jaw and migraines, and and this has happened like more times than I could count. And, you know, we finish the subjective, they're sitting in the chair, and I say, well, stand up, let's see you. And I notice that one side is, is higher than the other, and they've got this little scoliosis, and they yawn, and they click, and they hurt, and so we level their pelvis with some muscle energy techniques, some gentle manipulation, some mobilization, some myofascial release, teaching them how to do it on their own, and then they get up, and they yawn, and it's moving smooth. And I didn't touch their jaw, but leveling their foundation makes yeah, a big so difference. Yeah, so since know. we're on that subject, I mean, anybody that listens to me enough knows how much I believe that posture matters because posture is not about like standing tall and looking good. It's it's so much more than that. It's about the flow of energy. It's about the potential. It's about um, like if I have myself in a better alignment, um, I'm not going to have those kind of different pulls along the myofascial lines. And yeah. I, I talk about those those pulls as being like speed bumps for your energy exchange. I would love to hear how you would explain if somebody was like, I went to this other physical therapist who said, posture is not really that important. It doesn't, science, you know, all these evidence-based uh, research has not really shown any correlation between posture imbalances and pain. It's it's pretty hard to show um, in traditional, you know, double-blind placebo-controlled trials. It's not that kind of study. But, you know, when, when someone, someone just needs to touch themselves, right? So as they touch an area that is very common for most people right here, that upper trapezius, levator scapula, scalene area. And we say to them, you know, does this feel smooth to you? Are there any kind of lumps and bumps and not speed bumps? And they say, yeah. We say, okay, let's choose the other hand so this arm can relax. And then just press into it while I'm talking and just wait and just let's see what happens. And there's that's stimulating something called the piezoelectric effect, which is pressure electricity, right? By pressing, or maybe we could do it through tension or even compression, there's a flow that starts to happen in there. So returning back to your question, whilst this person is holding, so there's four major reasons for the fascia to become restricted, become knotted up, which let's back up one step further. In, in lab studies, we're showing a desiccated, dehydrated tissue. 
I use the analogy of jerky versus jello, right? We want tissue, we want soft tissue to be soft, hydrated, pliable until we ask of it. You know, we want the muscle to be hard and strong when we contract it, but in its relaxed state, it should be soft and fluid. It shouldn't be full of knots and bands and dry, hard areas. That's a fascial restriction. And there's four major reasons for fascial restriction. The most common is poor posture over time. The over time part is important mm-hmm. because there's nothing wrong with me sitting like this with the right. shoulders forward and the head forward if I, as long as I correct it and go back. As long as there's a center, you know, I'm going back to balance. Maybe if I'm feeling like I'll be looking down too long and I'll reverse the posture, right? It's when we add time. It's when someone is in a seated position all day and their psoas is 90 degree flexed and they don't stand up to take a break. There's time. So poor posture over time. And the fascia thickens and tightens and shortens. And there's common areas for that. Most common reason for fascia restrictions. But there's three more, at least. Um, the, the second is inflammation. And the common denominator of many diseases is inflammation. And there's you know cytokines and there's all sorts of biochemical things that can be picked up there. Uh, by the way, one of my favorite quotes is from Pericles, which was like hundreds of years ago. And he said, there is but one disease and it is congestion, which is essentially backed up stuff. Inflammation. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So, And that goes back to what I was saying earlier, the flow of the four major mm-hmm. media, right? With this congestion, stagnation, stiffness. You know, I don't know if you've had the pleasure of being with a dead person. I have, you know, my dad. And a dead yes. person is... Stiff and cold. I mean, there's a reason they call it a step, right? A corpse. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I say to be life's a spectrum. You know, you've got a box and six feet under that's super stiff and cold and ugh, there's no energy there. And then you've got vibrant life and a, a healthy baby is so fluid and the posture and the spine is so strong. Like, where do you want to be on the spectrum? It's a volume dial, right? So, so we want flow and mm-hmm. movement. Let yoga, you know. Tai Chi and Qigong, I was a, a martial artist to a second degree black belt in the Japanese style of karate, which involved so much fluidity and motion. And I love yoga. And my girlfriend's a yoga teacher, like I mentioned. She met you and was so admirable about you. I love yoga. I love stretching and movement, all types of movement, because we're flowing. So, mm-hmm. you know, infl- so that's the second inflammation. The third is um, surgery. Obviously, if you cut something, it has to adhese up and, and there's a scar there. Some scars are worse than others. Usually a scar that you might see on the surface of the skin. You know, someone has a little thyroid surgery or a discectomy, you know, is the tip of the iceberg, right? Underneath there, there's a grapevine of scar tissue, which winds its way through like a root system over time. And, you know, that can become problematic because a scar down here from a C-section or, you know, a, a, a coronary artery bypass, you know, crack open the chest there's all sorts of effect on that from a three-dimensional level and all you need to do is kind of grab your shirt and pull it down and you feel it pulling your neck forward and your shoulders forward well that's sort of like what a scar is doing it's shortening like a vacuum and it's sucking in and uh and that can be a, a major cause of fascia restriction and pain elsewhere you were saying earlier about you know find the pain look elsewhere for the cause well if someone's got neck pain and compressed disc and spondylolisthesis and migraines and they've got these big adhesive scars down below here in, in their stomach, and you're just treating the neck, well, it's, it's like you're not even under the street light. You know, you, you've lost your keys on the street, and someone says, oh, let me help you find your keys. Where'd you lose them? And you say, oh, I, I lost them over there. 
He says, well, why are you looking here? He says, well, here's where the street light is. No, <laughs> that doesn't work, right? No, no. You've got, to, you've got to see the hole. And when you touch or you watch someone move, you've got to see where those drags are, where they're pulling from. And when someone is in this example, just like the sweater, the shirt realigns, when someone backbends, you can see these lines of tension pulling down into the scar. And those things have to be released. And, and it's, it's very empowering. You said earlier, it's a two-way street, right? Patient has to be willing. It's very empowering as we're building trust with the patient or with your students to give them agency. It's not useful, usually, to, to be the fix-it person that does to them, right? It has to be, there has to be agency. So we love like phone rollers and, and you know, the different balls. I, I just noticed in my back screen there, I have a couple here of different, you know, a psoas ball or a cranial craquetal or a foam roller or a theracane or, and teaching them that there's a correct way, there's a right and wrong way to do this. It has to be sustained pressure that's gentle over time. If you're setting up your fight or flight yes, responses I was going to say, yes, so yes. yes. You're just triggering adrenaline and cortisol that you're not going to release. Like it's not going to be helpful. You have to be able to breathe and soften into that tool. And so tools are, are powerful, no matter which tool. And their own hands, you know, areas, certain areas can be reached, right? So, you know, they're, they're pulling their arm back if they've got neural tension through their brachial plexus here from an old frozen shoulder or rotator cuff injury or just abnormal scapular humor rhythm over time. And now they dig into their pec minor here. Well, there's some clavius and, you know, if it's, if it's the left side, they're opening up their thoracic duct. They can use their other hand. They can use their body. So, so manual therapy done on themselves can be very helpful. But no matter which way we do it, when we give patients a steering wheel and we say, you're in motion, drive, and mm -hmm. they, are, they will drive, like across the board. Not everyone's fully compliant, you know, but usually we use an exercise software online and we give people some beautiful pictures, many of which I've you know, just used my phone and snapped myself because... They're not in the software program of exactly that lunge position that I wanted that person's arms to go up as they're lunging that leg back to try to get that long three-dimensional tension on the tissue and not arching their pelvis or falling into an anterior tilt. So, you know, you make these pictures if you don't have them or you get the person's phone and you say, I'm going to video you as I'm talking and you're going to go home. And this is the sort of thing that improves compliance. You know, suddenly they just play video on their phone and they hear my voice, they see their body, and they, they mimic it. And, and when, when you give people the steering wheel, they drive. And you mm. just have to, through the correct questions, as the therapist, we have to see where the levers, you know, Archimedes lever, right? Where, where are you going to make the big, biggest difference? Mm -hmm. It's not always nutrition fall out. Maybe they can change one thing. Maybe they can have a meatless day, you know, meatless Monday, right? Or maybe they can change one meal. Or get more colors into their diet or you know ditch the dairy like one little thing and maybe through movement we can choose one or two things that they start to do differently you know windows 11 right here has a stand-up alarm you can set a little alarm every half hour you just you know you stand up and then you sit back down again like you've got to lengthen the body like but it's it's different for everyone that's why it's that's why it's individualized care but but some common denominators there, we can't be the fix-it person that does to them, right? 
we have to give them the steering wheel and say, drive, you're in motion. Like, this is your life. Like, what are you waiting for? The mm -hmm. time is now. Yes, what are you waiting? <laughs> exactly. And it's, and it's, you know, it's education. And I think that always goes back to, I think most physical therapists are, do want to educate people about um, moving better and breathing better and we, you know, you're just going many steps for, for further in, in terms of like eating and hydrating and managing stress. There are so many other spokes on the wheel for, yes. for helping a person, you know, drive. And I think that um, you've provided so many. I mean, it is as much as I'm sure people would want to know, like, what are like four things you think everybody should be doing? I know it can't be necessarily boiled down to that, but what are some things, generally speaking, in our modern day life, knowing that most people aren't getting enough movement in a variety yeah. of ways, uh, probably are you know, having more uh, processed foods than we want to have. What are, some, what are some easy tips that you would give to I general a, population? We have what we call the low hanging fruit, right? Mm -hmm. so, so through the right interviewing and the intelligent therapist or, or yoga teacher, whatever, um, we've got to identify where this person is and offer them, like, how do you like to take in information? You know, some people say, oh, I, I, I watch a movie every night. Oh, if I could recommend a good documentary, would you watch it? You know, mm. or I listen to podcasts when I'm walking the dog three times a day for a mile each. You know, I have two hours. Okay, great. There's some great podcasts I can recommend. Maybe we'll recommend your one. Or, you know, maybe it's, it's, I mean, I, I don't want to promote other podcasts here because because this isn't the forum for that. But knowing what someone needs and and meeting, not everyone needs that, right? Not everyone needs the gritty scientific details like I love. Not everyone wants to know about BDNF and tumor necrosis factor and the microbiome and, you know, APOE4 and the different genetic markers and the different blood tests. And it's too much for so many people. And that's okay. Like the the correct path is knowing where someone is and offering them just two, you know, one, two, three, too many, right? And beyond three, yeah. usually people kind of zone out and they begin to forget. So having my own advice, we have four things that are low hanging fruit. So somewhere in the subjective or the intake question is we try to ask questions that tells me where this person is in these four areas. So the first is of course, movement, right? How much are they moving? What are, what are they doing? And, and where are they sitting? Like, what are their postures throughout the day? What are the challenges? Are they digging weeds and lifting weights? Or are they sitting behind a computer? Both are significant challenges to the, to the human being, right? Um, yes. So movement. And the second is diet. You know, what, are you, what is your trend? Are you, are you thinner now than you used to be? Are you, are you heavier now than you used to be? Like, I don't like BMI. It's not a great formula, but sometimes it's a language that you can say to someone, you know, Look, your BMI is 29, like it's higher than it should be. You're beginning to get into that risk category for cardiac and diabetes and, you know, are these things important to you? Do you want to have that conversation? And some people say, no, it's a trigger. Like, I don't want to talk about that yet. And all they're saying is yet, right? They don't have mm -hmm. the trust and the, the relationship yet to tackle those type of issues. But if they do, if they say, yeah, make, you know, make a couple of suggestions. So then we've got to ask them where, where are they at, you know? Well, what can they change? So, so food is the second one. And the third one is stress management, 
right? How, how can we dial in the low-hanging fruit of how can you manage your stress better? Maybe it's not grabbing the phone first thing in the morning. Maybe it's turning off the screens an hour before bedtime. You know, that dials into the fourth area, which is sleep. All of these are massive conversations, which we want to identify where someone's at in these four areas, movement, diet, stress management, and sleep, and try to, some people are like, oh, no, I sleep great. I sleep too much, like nine hours, and I feel amazing. Sleep's not my challenge. Okay, knock that one off. We can either focus on the three or we can add a fourth one in there. Maybe they need to think more about um, relationships, right? Connection, community with others. You know, we know from the Blue Zone studies that community and connection is a very important part of the human experience, right? We're spiritual beings having a physical experience in tandem with others. You know, back in the day, the caveman or, or the one wanderers when someone was rejected from the tribe, it was a death sentence. You know, they were they were cast out to live on their own, and they usually died very quickly. You've been in Africa, you know what it's like out yes. there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, in communion, in connection with others, we do better. You know, we need men's groups, we need women's circles, we need family units, we need friends, we need advisors, we need people on both sides of where we are. You know, we can't always be the smartest person in the room. My dad used to say, Scott. If you're the fastest swimmer in the pool, you need a different pool. Mm. <laughs> and, Good you know, advice. That's, that's truth for life, right? You've got to be around people that challenge you, and you've also got to be feeling altruistic in that you, you're drawing people up, people who perhaps think of you as a mentor. Give of your time. Like, draw them to where you are. You know, we have, we have many on both sides of where one is, and that makes for healthy human experience when you're in connection with others. So... You know, these are four sort of low-hanging fruit that I think we can all analyze for ourselves and see, you know, there's a scale of zero to 10. If 10's perfect, where am I in my diet? Where am I in my movement practice? How do I manage my stress? Do I fly off the handle? Do I, am I measured in my responses? Am I able to take grief without melting away? Am I able to take anger and express it in a helpful manner? Am I able to to have successful connection and communication with my partner and my kids and my employees and my boss and you know, all these different elements of, of the human experience. Does mm. that answer that yeah, question? Yeah, I think that's great. But, and what's, what's really um, so insightful is that all of those four things intertwine and impact one another. Um, and what I would like to bring up for anybody who's listening, what I have experienced, um, certainly when I've gone into like corporate settings, um, and not just corporate settings, but it happens to be a bigger group of people who are probably spending more time sitting, um, but they really do, in fact, represent a large population. And those first two that you mentioned, movement and nutrition, um, those are places where people have a lot of shame, you know? And yes. I think it's, it's if this is something, if you're listening, I have so many people from all walks of life who listen, and some of you are really taking good care of yourself and some of you are not. Um, it doesn't do anybody any good to stay in that shame. Shame that you don't want to think about that you're not moving enough, that you're eating like shitty foods and overeating or undereating or whatever it is. There's no reason to make your, like, turn that kind of self-hatred into something that is going to be the biggest speed bump of them all. It's really an opportunity to examine, and I say with tenderness, 
how are you doing? Because guess what? No one else is going to do this for you. (laughs) You cannot pay anyone to, you know, make sure that you're moving enough or make sure that your nutrition is more optimal. Like no one, you could pay somebody to give you advice, but no one is going to do it for you. So I think it's so relevant. And I'm sure in your discourse with your different clients, you bring that type of compassion. But I do know so many people when they start to hear that, like to even have this introspection, they're going to have a lot of shame. And the idea is not to, it's to divorce yourself from shame and just look at it like, I want to be my best friend because I'm living in this home. And how can I do better without feeling bad about what I'm doing now? It's so wisely said. Um, and and sometimes, you know, the, the concept divorce is a trigger word for me. Sorry, divorce, but separate. I don't, like to, <laughs> I don't like to think of, you know, divorce. Yeah. The shame has a role. Yep. Yep. And, and the thing is about shame, I, I did a couple of years. Uh, Brennan Brown was my personal coach for a couple of years. So she's all about vulnerability and shame, right? She mm-hmm. says shame does push-ups in the dark. You know, so shame can't survive when we put light on it, mm. when, we, when we bring it to a trusted friend and we talk about it, or someone who is just going to listen, or perhaps if you need advice, has the right advice to give you, or the right, sometimes it's just, I'm here with you, I hear you. Mm-hmm. And, and then it diffuses the shame. It takes... It, it lets some air out of it. It reduces the pain associated with the shame. So much of that is programming though, right? These are old wounds. The yes. trauma-informed approach to this is to recognize that much of our programming happened like when we were under seven. You know, it was someone else's message. It was the teacher, the parent, the friend that we kind of adopted in there. And, and you're right that when we, when we carry that as a darkness unexpressed, it can create innumerable pain emotionally and physically and those emotions store in our body right that's mm-hmm. the issues that's issues yes and that becomes adhesion it becomes loss of motion it becomes weakness and and loss of function ultimately so it all boils down to the same thing we're a mind body we're a quantum being so when mm-hmm. we have flow there then we can diffuse a lot of these things and the only the only difference between here and there because that's like the there the only difference between here and there is is t is time. <laughs> so if we're if we're in time and we're intentionally moving through time, it takes time. These old habits and programming are deep. They're wounds that you don't just flick a switch and they're done. You have one chat with a psychotherapist and oh, I resolved that childhood trauma. It doesn't work like that. These things are layerful, and you think you're done with it, but then you go to a deeper layer and and intentional use of that time gets you between here and there g-h-e-r-e right i love Um, it yeah practice makes perfect isn't sufficient it has to be perfect practice perfect practice makes perfect now perfect that word is the enemy of just getting on with it and doing it right so not to be hung up on perfect but you know take for example in in your yoga sequences if someone is just doing it but their alignment is all kafrakta and they, they're mixing it up, they're not doing themselves a justice. So it's not as sufficient to practice makes perfect. It has to be intentional and focused. And, and that's how we get from here to there is intentional, perfect in quotes for those who are listening on audio. Quotes, perfect is a dangerous word possibly, but it's, it's moving in the right direction with that practice and giving ourselves the grace and the compassion and the tenderness of time. Mm. 
Mm, I love that. This has been such a lovely, lovely discussion. Tell everyone, I know you're probably packed full in your business, but where can people find out more about you? Come in, maybe um, have your wonderful big hands, do some myofascial on them or anything else. Tell us about where yes, we can thank find you. you. So- you know, we've pretty much found on the web at holisticpt.com. The difference is you got to spell holistic with a W because it's a whole body. It's whole a whole body, mind, spirit. Yeah. Uh, you know, holistic PT gets me to the Twitter, to the Facebook, to the Instagram, none of which I'm all that good about, by the way, just to be fully transparent. <laughs> That's but okay. I did my best. And, and holistic PT will auto direct to um, holisticphysicaltherapy.com, spelt all out long, one long word. And um, that's where I'm found. And you know, our clinic is in Brewster, about an hour in North New York City. People come in from all over for treatment, some for intensives, where they'll do you know, um, each day or a couple of times a day for a week. And, and others, you know, traditional PT type of approach, one or two or three times a week for an episode of time. But you know, we have people who drive three hours to see us for treatment, uh, you know, once a week. And some of them will do a two-hour session and might be with me or one of my team members. You know, one of my staff is um, an incredible physical therapist who's certified in Feldenkrais as well as does all mm. the, the manual therapy with myself and another physical therapist. So I have a great team with um, receptionists and, you know, admins and, and clinicians and acupuncture and, you know, yoga and nutrition and the whole gamut. So wow. if people aren't sure whether it's the right thing, we do this really cool thing called a discovery phone call, which is, you know, chat with the receptionists and, and if necessary, schedule a time with, with me or one of the other clinicians where for free for 15 minutes or so, either in person or on Zoom like this or on the phone, we can hear someone's uh, sort of miniature story and, and give them an idea of how we might address that, you know, how they might expect to get some benefit out of their investment in time and in resources. You know, we are physical therapists, of of course, but but we don't accept insurance um, other than Medicare, which we have to as a physical therapist in this country. That's a federal law. So we follow that law. But all the other insurances, we're out on network. Most people pay cash out of pocket, and then we'll help them submit it if they want to. And, you know, we're very busy. We're busy to the gills. Um, we have a wait, long waiting list. But because we help people get better and move on with agency, we're always taking new patients pretty much. Um, you know, there are some times when we, we, we have to make someone wait for some time before they can get in. But people get better. And, mm -hmm. and yes, some people value a maintenance session, but that's usually more like once a month instead of multiple times a week. Um, but generally speaking, we want to teach... Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details people how to manage their problems themselves and and have agency over that remember what i said you've got a steering wheel and you're in motion you better start driving let me teach you how you <laughs> know that's our oh, i love it all right everybody drive 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 
and uh, drive on over and check out Scott and his amazing holistic PT. Uh, this has been an honor to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time. Laura, thanks so much for the interview. It was such a pleasure talking with you and resonating so. And for everyone who's listening, as always, I'm pulling for you.